0: Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. And this is the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson and Luke McCarty. Artofmoneyradio.com for more information on the McPherson Financial Group or to schedule that initial complimentary consultation. We appreciate you listening. Now, let's get to the show. As we close the financial book on 2022, it's something we discussed every weekend here on the Art of Money. It was bad, but Luke McCarty
1: how bad was it really? It was pretty bad. I mean, it, it ended really bad. If you look at historical levels, you know, the S&P 500 was down about 20%. You know, that's the largest 500 U.S. companies in the stock market, right? The NASDAQ was down 34%. You know, so if you had, you know, some Tesla or some, you know, even Apple or Google or Microsoft, you know, you're going to be down 20 to 35%, if not more, Kathy Wood, her, her flagship innovation fund, it's down more, right? So the more risk you took last year, the more money you probably lost. The hard part about last year was the bond market. So the bond market ended the year down negative 13%, one of the worst years for the bond market. So your historical 60-40 type of portfolio, we have 60% of the money in stocks, right? Down 20 to 35%, 40% of the money in bonds, down 13%. It's the third worst year ever for a sixty forty portfolio coming in negative seventeen percent. Only two years were worse, nineteen thirty-one and nineteen thirty-seven. So gotcha. it was a tough, tough year. And both of those were during the depression. So <laughs> Right. So we're making comparisons to the depression, even though it doesn't feel like a depression, you know, and, and all the while, you know, the Fed raised interest rates, you know, four point two five percent. So the Fed is not on our side and you know, we'll see what they do this year I, I don't think they know what they're going to
2: do Yeah, it just basically was one of those years when you look at the bond market it it by itself was the worst year ever in bonds so, you know, you're talking about a time frame where Being safe didn't help and then you had inflation eroding savings So if you were trying to keep money in the bank, you were still losing because inflation was high You know, we peaked at nine percent last year so it was just one of those years where nothing seemed to work in the traditional modeling platforms. Uh, that's one of the reasons we have all kinds of ways to try to, you know, make money in a bad market cycle and protect money when things go bad. We've got kind of, All across the board this year predictions, you know, of what the market's going to do. We've got some people saying the market's going to do really well. We have some people saying the market's going to continue to go lower. The prognosticators, (laughs) how right are they? And the experts, how right are they? Most of the time they're wrong. And usually somewhere in between, you know, the extreme high
1: and the extreme low. Sometimes, you know, usually we fall in between those numbers. Good point, Art. You know, when it comes to the experts, right, the experts last year predicted for 2022 right the median forecast for the S&P 500 was 4821 right the highest was about 5300 the lowest was 4400 we ended last year in the S&P 500 at 3839 so all of the experts were way off they were way high you know when we look at that for 2023 right the median forecast is around 4,000, but it's the most bearish outlook since 1999 in the the widest dispersion of a range between 3,400 and 4,500 since 2009. So it seems like a lot of these experts are now expanding the potential of what could happen this year because there's so many unknowns going into this year. In other words, it's like a
2: hurricane cone that's really wide right now, (laughs) and it'll start narrowing as we go
1: forward. So everybody's having a tough time knowing where that hurricane's going to come in at. Yeah, so we don't we don't make predictions here um, because of that. You know, nobody has the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. You know, we just put things in the portfolio that can make money in either direction, and you know, put things in the portfolio to help reduce your risk.
0: All right, so let me ask you this: How did you, Ard McPherson, looking back on 2022, how did you help protect your clients so that they could protect those assets and continue to have confidence in their retirement plans? What are some of the steps that you took?
2: Well, one of the things we do automatically with everybody and starts usually on our second appointment with them is we talk about reducing portfolio risk. So there's ways to do that. So one of the ways we do that is we can put you in a managed model that actually reduces risk itself. You know The model is designed to reduce the risk. So we're trying to get market-like returns with about half of the market risk. So we do that right off the bat. But then we try to use non-correlated investments that if we do have a bad cycle where we have a bear market, which what 22 was, it was a bear cycle. It was a bear cycle for bonds, a bear cycle for every equity platform out there. So when you have a bear cycle like that, you want to be able to benefit from that, but also help protect money in that period. And then we also had a very unusual situation where we had interest rates rise, like Luke said, over 4% for the year. So what we couldn't even look at December of 21 uh, now, in December of 22, became very positive. We, we could go out there and get fixed rates in the 4 and 5% range again. So there's all kinds of different things you can do throughout the time frame, but it's making sure you're in positions that are flexible and you're not just all your money in one bucket. You want to make sure you've got money that is safe and stable, uh, that can give you a good positive growth rate. But when everything is going down, like the bond markets, stock markets, that you have some of your money that is not tied with that so it doesn't go down.
0: So looking back and using it a little higher, hindsight onto 2022. What does your portfolio look like? Did you lose as much as the market average? Did you lose less? Did you lose more? Are you not happy with your situation? We'll give the team at the McPherson Financial Group a call. Let's begin that conversation. Let's make some adjustments, but more importantly, let's build upon what's working. And if you have that $500,000 in assets, Art is offering a complimentary income plan with no obligations and no fees attached. 321-425-8550. Let's kick off 2023 with some confidence into your retirement plan. You know, we talk about the myths of retirement here on The Art of Money, and Forbes says one of the most common myths is that we'll be in a lower tax bracket when we quit working. Now, that seems to make sense, but... Why could that not be true?
1: Um, the usdebtclock.org, <laughs> that <laughs> website with $31 trillion in debt. Every time Luke does a <laughs> seminar, he o- uses that website. <laughs> I should have shown a big old picture of it. Um, I've even shown in the conference room. It just gives people headaches. So I, I try to avoid that. But, um, you know, your tax bracket can fall in retirement. You know, if you have saved a lot of money and you're in the low tax bracket and you don't anticipate spending a lot, there's potential. But for most of our clients, it's either the same or or higher when they retire and after the Trump tax cuts more than likely everybody's taxes will be higher in retirement instead of 12% you're paying 15 you know instead of 22 you're paying 25 so we feel that you know as some of these new budgets get passed at the you know last deadline of 1.7 trillion i know mark bernard's going to join us next week but one thing they're doing is they're extending the required minimum distribution age well, they're doing that because when your beneficiaries get that money, they have ten years to take it out, and taxes will be higher, theoretically. Right? The only way that doesn't work out is if they go down, and I don't think they're going down. Yeah, not
2: when
0: our government spends like a drunken sailors. <laughs> You're not wrong on that one. And Mark mm-hmm. Bernard will join us next week to talk about some tax tips on how to have a plan for 2023 as the government continues to. What was that website again?
1: US. <laughs> the website is usdebtclock.org. But if you look up that new one point seven trillion dollar spending bill and you can find it in PDF format and it doesn't crash your computer with eight thousand pages, <laughs> search for the word salmon, the Sa- fish. That's like in there sixty times. Are you serious? We have, we have a government spending budget of one point seven trillion and there's you know, the the fish gets more money than you, me, <laughs> Mark. I think there's, <laughs> yeah, I think we have
2: $450 million that goes to about four or five foreign governments, not including Ukraine. Mm. Uh, but yet, I think, what was it, our past president, Trump, wanted $3 billion for the wall, to finish the wall, and they said no. They almost shut we're the giving government $450 down. Billion. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but we're going to send $450 billion f- to protect
1: borders for other, foreign countries. For other countries. That seems weird to me. Wusa. It was, uh, yeah, a lot in that bill. Now, Mark's not going to digest the whole spending budget. We're just we're just picking. Next week's funds, show is going to
0: be 14 hours long. Page yeah. no, page. We're just going to talk about how it affects our clients. Crypto. Luke McCarty, I'm coming to you on this one because it's all over the news, and you're kind of my crypto expert. Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary was paid by the FTX Crypto Exchange to be a spokesman, but he tells CNBC that he ended up with nothing when it finally collapsed total deal was just under 15 million dollars all in i put about 9.7 million into crypto i think that's what i've lost it's all at zero i don't know because my account got scraped all the data all the coins everything and then i lost the money i invested in the equity as well those are those are zeros too it was not a good investment okay i don't make right. great investments all the time luckily i make more good ones and bad ones but that was a bad one so ftx in a world of hurt right now but the question is what happens to your assets if the company that that holds your bank, your brokerage, your 401k, or your crypto accounts, what happens if
1: that goes under? Well, in real world, in real assets, right, you have the SIPC insurance coverage. So if a Schwab, or a Fidelity, or Vanguard were to go under, you know, your account can't be wiped clean like the FTX account, that's not regulated, right? Those crypto accounts are not regulated, so there's no rules, there's no governing body behind them. Whereas your, you know, your big major custodians have backing into them. They have insurance in them. Now, of course, the value of the stock, right, can go to zero, but it can't just be wiped away. You know, so if you own shares of Microsoft and Charles Schwab and Charles Schwab goes under, you still have those shares of Microsoft to your name. But let's be real. If Fidelity and Schwab go under, we have big problems. (laughs) But this FTX crypto collapse is a really big problem. And it's interesting that Kevin O'Leary, you know, he seems so confident in the show and he always makes these good investments. And I mean, he's lost millions. Tom Brady and Giselle have lost millions. All these, you know, Kim Kardashian got sued for crypto because she wasn't licensed by the SEC. I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff is coming out about crypto. So, as Art and I've said, got to be careful. Yeah, we had talked about crypto, you know, I mean, they
2: really started getting a lot of headwind when you saw Bitcoin go from about $3,000 a coin up into that 10,000, got a lot of interest, started getting national play, rode all the way up to that 65,000 level. But one of the things we all said from day one is make sure you're putting your money in there like you would at Vegas, mm-hmm. because there was no governing body, there were no guarantees. It was basically pure speculation and just demand, so if you get somebody like an Elon Musk, put it's $35 billion in a crypto. Wow. You know, that drives that price way up. But when he takes his 50 billion or 60 billion out because he made nice profit and he wants to pull it off, you don't know when he's doing that. You know, he announced when he put it in, he didn't announce when he pulled it out. So um, those kind of things can make a big impact. And then you can see the smaller derivatives of it, like the FTX platform went belly up when All this mess happens. So you got to just be very, very careful.
0: Do you find it's a generational thing, Luke McCarty, that the younger generation finds a lot of intrigue and maybe an advantage to crypto as opposed to like an older generation where like, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to keep my money a little more safe and secure.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think the younger generation has been riding the wave of the Federal Reserve since 2009 where there was a lot of money in the system. You know, when the government's pumping money into the economy, into stocks, into, into our pockets, there's a lot of potential easy investments to make where you can kind of get rich quick and so you have a couple of those hit and then you hear about Bitcoin and crypto and you want that to hit and for some it did for most it's it's gone down and so yeah I'd, I'd say the younger generation hasn't had a federal reserve against us and hasn't had a lot of liquidity taken from the market so some of their investments and some of my friends you know they're firefighters or you know not in this industry you know they were riding the wave pretty high a couple of years ago. Now they're they're coming down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And they tend to never know when to get out. You know, they're
2: right. like, oh, no, I'm staying. Everybody says stay in. Don't bail. You know, just keep it and just use it to pay for stuff. And But, you know, it's just kind of that same old story. You typically will buy at the wrong time and not know when to sell. You know, try to write it down when it's actually not a good time to write down
0: is the old theory of, I can't physically hold it, so I don't know if I want to invest in it. Like, I can I could put my hands on a, a Coca-Cola or a, a Home Depot or, you know, a, a Walmart or something like that, but I can't physically hold
2: a crypto. Yes, but what happens with the millennials is they have all these apps, right? So you can actually do an app right now, open an account uh, just by giving them a few bits of information, and then trade in stocks and all that kind of stuff pretty much very low a cost, very low fee, um, and buy and sell, so it feels as real as that, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's hard for them to delineate the difference. Now, an older investor who's been through a lot more than just the app side of trading, they know the rules, they know the regulations, uh, and so they don't really get caught up in the crypto space. But crypto seem to be the same. You're just pushing a button on the phone, just like you did to buy Apple, Microsoft or whatever. So uh, I can see how the millennials would get caught up and not really see the difference.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com.